Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Black Mirror. Today we'll be covering the third episode from Netflix TV series from Black Mirror titled Rachel, Jack, and Ashley 2. But before we jump into our top five, let's hear a word from this week's sponsor. And this week's sponsor, so if you want to catch up on some of your favorite Stranger Things character before season three begins by diving into the official Stranger Things books. We have Stranger Things Darkness on the Edge of Town by Adam Christopher, which follows Chief Jim Hopper as he reveals long-awaited secrets to Eleven about his old life as a police detective in New York City, confronting his past before the events of Stranger Things. We also have Stranger Things Runaway Max by New York Times bestselling author Brenna Yonovoff is the gripping emotional prequel to Stranger Things. This never-before-told backstory of Dig Dug maven Max Mayfield explores her past, the good and the bad, as well as how she came to find her newfound sense in home in Hawkins, Indiana. And there's also the last one, Stranger Things Darkness on the Edge of Town, and Runaway Max are on sale now wherever books and audiobooks are sold. Make sure you go out, check those out, like so you can get audiobooks at your local bookstore, Pick them up, check them out. We've already had a couple of the strange indeeders send us pictures of theirs. And mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if when you get your book, what you think of it. Yeah, our good friend Paik, I know, um, has confirmed that he bought those um, and was looking to try those out. So let us know, guys, if if you've picked those up. I haven't had a chance to pick mine up, honestly. It has been crazy uh, for me lately. So um, I'm interested to hear what everyone thinks. I think those, those would be great stories. I know we talked a lot about Max when she was new on the show. What's her yeah. story? How did she get there? And, of course, obsessed with Hopper. What the hell was he doing oh, yeah, all that yeah. time away from Hawkins, you know? So those have got to be some great stories. Those That's audiobooks awesome. are going to go in my queue pretty soon. I just got to get them, get them ordered and check them out. I know. I got to get more on audiobooks. I struggle with that. I get ADD so bad. If it's if it's a, a well done audiobook, I can really listen to it. If it's kind of monotonous and just like, you know, I guess it depends on who's reading it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That monotone or something. And it's like, oh no, you're going to put me to sleep. There's some good ones out there. Like uh, there's one by Will Wheaton, which is Ready Player One. He does that one. It's really good. And Kevin Smith I've does heard. one. So yeah, yeah, if you get a really good voice that can kind of plow through it, it's, it's really, really intriguing. And I, I'm thinking these two probably have that. That's awesome. Well, yeah, let us know what you think, guys, if you get them and what you think of the books, because I need some recommendations. So with that being said, because we'll talk more about Stranger Things really soon, today we're going to talk about the final episode of season five, Black Mirror. Um, And with that, we'll go ahead and jump into our top five. I think I'm going to start it off this week because I'm feeling froggy. (laughs) I'm just going (laughs) to... froggy today um i'm gonna just jump in with my top or my number five and i want to talk a little bit about um the casting choice for this episode i remember gosh i don't remember the exact month or anything but i think it was last year when you know we were getting like little tidbits of information about season five of black mirror you know we're all you know waiting on the edge of our seats waiting to hear you know what it's going to be about or you know when the episodes are going to be released and one of the little things that came out was Miley Cyrus mm-hmm. being cast in an episode of Black Mirror. And I remember so many, I don't remember everything, but I remember just the initial feeling where I was like, what the hell <laughs> is going on with 
you know, asking. And at first it was just a rumor and then later it was confirmed. And everybody's like, wait a minute. Because I know that there are some folks that have some opinions, good or bad, about Miley Cyrus. Um, And so it was really interesting to get people's thoughts on that. And I remember I was myself kind of hesitant, you know, of accepting because I'm like, oh, man. You know, my my kid grew up in the Hannah Montana years, right? So I have seen, I feel way too many episodes. Uh, I was completely disconnected from that whole, like I really? knew it existed. I yeah. might've caught like an episode or two, but nobody in my peripheral was in like at that age to watch it. So it was like, I don't know if my son would be into it if he was that age, but like I'm more like Jack the pirate right now or Jake yeah. the pirate and that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. good cartoons that I can get behind, but you know, <laughs> he's like, I want to watch Hannah Montana. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> You know, um, I mean, she was age appropriate. I believe she was a tween, early teen. Yeah. You know, and she's she's always been a Disney Channel fanatic. You know, everything on Disney Channel from the time that she was really little um, until she was like teenager years, she was pretty much watching, you know, That's So Raven and Hannah Montana. This is not a Disney plug. They're not paying me, I swear. <laughs> um, but, you know, she watched all of those shows and she loved Hannah Montana when it first came out. And, um, you know, she watched the movies and, and really dug them. And she just, she loved Miley Cyrus. And I was just kind of like, ugh, another friggin' Disney show that I got to get through, you know? Um, and I would try to watch a few things with her because I was that kind of parent. I'm like, I want to know what my kid is watching. You know, I'd have mm-hmm. the TV on in the main room. And I kind of like, you know, want to know what it is that she's watching. I don't care if it's Disney Channel or not. I want to know what they're putting out there and what she's absorbing. So it would be on. I would hear it. I thought the music a lot of times was kind of catchy, but, you know... Then as she kind of grew out of that Hannah Montana role and, you know, was kind of doing these strange things at award shows yeah. and, you know, she's kind of acting far out, of, which I, I get why she was doing it. And, and it kind of makes sense. But she was the, kind of. It's shock pop is what it was. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm kind of like, OK, so I kind of get what she's doing and why. But I'm just like, ugh, does it really have to go this far with some of the things that she was doing anyway? So I was kind of like, oh, now she's going to be in Black Mirror. This is a show that we love, that we obsess with, right? So you're like, it feels precious to you, yeah, right? You feel, uh-huh. <laughs> you feel like, wait a minute, you know, you don't you go licking invade. my Black Mirror, Miley. Please don't lick my Black Mirror. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, I was a little bit worried, but I thought, I thought, okay, take a step back and look at it. You know, Charlie Bricker, I feel, you know, has a lot of say. You know, in this, he's not just a writer and executive producer. I feel like he's probably got a lot of say when they are, you know, talking about casting choices. Um, so I felt like, okay, he had to have some kind of insight or approval or veto power. And if he felt that this was okay, then I'm going to trust him. So that's how I kind of went in with it, um, you know, as we were awaiting this um, season and then this episode for her um, debut in, in the Black Mirror universe. And, you know, I think overall she did a pretty good job with the role. I think that they needed someone that could pull off a believable pop star role and be able to act off the stage, too. Um, and I think that she did a pretty good job. You know, she she did have to act on Hannah Montana. She is and was a real, she's not so much a pop star anymore, but she is still a singer, um, you know, and, you know, writer and writes music and things like that. So I think they kind of need someone, needed someone that could do that. And I guess didn't want to look for just somebody who, who was just an actor. They want to see someone who could actually be up on the stage, do some singing, do some dancing, but also off the stage as well. So I was actually pleasantly surprised. What did you think 
of Miley. I, I was not pleasantly surprised. <laughs> okay. um, so watching this episode, like you, I, I honestly 100% feel, or maybe not 100%, maybe like 90% feel that this was putting my conspiracy hat on a little bit. I feel like the reason, <laughs> one, we get three episodes is because like, listen, Charlie, we're going to go, we're going to get some big actors. He's like, mm-hmm. we got the dude from Sherlock. Like, we got Benedict Cumberbatch? Like, no, but we got the other guy who's really good. <laughs> we got the dude from Avengers, Robert Downey Jr. No, the other really good guy. And we got an amazing singer for you. And he's like, uh, Madonna? Like, no, Miley Cyrus. And because we're putting all this money in, we're only going to be able to do three episodes. Mm-hmm. Now, the first two, I think, were, were not written to the actors. It was just really good. Like, here's here's the script I want to do. Like, they could have been done with anybody. Mm-hmm. The, the actors in it, I think, nailed it, knocked it out of the park. This one, however, I felt was written more like we need something that's safe for Miley Cyrus. Really? We yeah, we need because I it's it's a, a struggling pop star. Like it's a it's a story we hear a lot. Like you know, fame is so tough. It's it hinders yeah. me, and it's this, this drug addiction thing with the the you know. And there is some deeper stuff in it, which I'll get to later. But I I really felt like this was written strictly for her. Because really? it's like, yeah, because I think interesting. I felt like if you're going to write it for like a Miley Cyrus character, like you need to write it out of her comfort zone. You need to put her in something different. Because to me, if, if this was if this was not Miley Cyrus, just some uh, some random actress that nobody knew, mm-hmm. I feel like this would be one of the Black Mirrors I'd forget about. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that was one of the episodes. But because it's Miley Cyrus, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that was that Miley Cyrus episode. And hmm. I just I didn't. And I'm hoping maybe some of the other ones will kind of change my mind on it a little bit. But. I really felt like it was just, all right, we got Miley Cyrus. What can we do that will showcase her talents? And, you know, because, I mean, she was unconscious for, like, a third of this mo- this episode. Yeah. She was, you know, in, like, music videos for the other third, and then she was just voiced over for the, the remainder. I was going to say her, her little AI was alive and yeah, talking her, the Her voice acting is really good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I know that's something that's, I think, a little bit easier to probably do that you can mm-hmm. kind of you can have a lot more leeway with it. Because um, she's done a little bit of that before. Like, she was at, like, one of the end of, I think, Guardians 2. She was one of the characters that was, like, a robot in that one. Like, at the very, very end. Uh, but, yeah, I I wasn't too pleasantly surprised with it and was a That's little okay. let down. That's okay. You know, I, and I get that. I, 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 There are some things in the episode that I had an issue with. But I think it had more to do with the writing, the dialogue, which isn't her fault because she didn't write it. But, you know, as far as like her being able to pull off the type of role, I was, I guess I was happy with it. Um, but I'm curious, you, you said that you thought that this was written for Miley. So do you, are you saying that they're like what she approached them and she's like, I want to do an episode of Black Mirror. What can you do for me? And they're like, well, let's see what we can do. And then they just produce this episode that's basically, which because I've, I've read this is some people are like, this is basically just a Hannah Montana episode or this is like her Miley Cyrus's story right here. Yeah, it, I mean, it felt <laughs> to me, it felt like we signed Miley Mm-hmm. Like he probably has, I'm sure he has a ton of scripts that he wants to do for Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. And I don't know this for sure, but to me it felt like, it's like, oh, we have Miley Cyrus. And he might have taken an already created story he wanted to do and tweaked it to fit her. But I could see him being like, Netflix calls, says, hey, Charlie, guess what? We got Miley Cyrus. He's like, oh, great. I got this one about these like 
pizzas that take over the world. Like, no, we don't want to do that one. It's like, oh, well, what about this AI thing where you where you fuck your best friend? Like, that would be kind of cool. Like, we could ever do that. No, no, let's not do that. Um, let me see what I can do. And he goes and he's like, you know, hammering away for like, you know, maybe this is a Black Mirror episode he needs to do. Uh, yeah, no kidding. And he's like hammering away at it. He's like, you know, his kid comes in with his Miley Cyrus CD. He's like, all right, fuck it. That's what it'll be. Miley Cyrus in the Black Mirror universe. But, you know, and I mean, I, I think that you have, you know, what what you're saying is, is valid, but I hope it's not true. I mean, I kind of see what you're saying, but to, because then that I, I like Black Mirror. I feel like Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones, they write these things and there's, you know, they're so unique and they're like independent and, you know, they're, they take risks or there's a lot of argument out there. I know a lot of people would disagree with me, um, at least as far as season five is concerned, but they have always, at least in the past, you know, with a lot of their other seasons, you know, kind of went into places where, you know, lots of other shows are uncomfortable going to. And I think Black Mirror kind of forces us to look there and, you know, um, look in places and feel emotions or look at things that could be a potential future if we don't watch ourselves and if we're not careful um, and I feel like that's a little bit of a sellout if that's what happened. And that's almost that's, yeah. the theme of this show or this episode, this particular episode that we're talking about with everything that happened is kind of like what would have really happened if it's the way that you say it is like black or like Netflix is kind of controlling a little bit about like what Charlie Brooker is, you know, producing as far as his creative work. And that would suck. I don't want that at all. <laughs> but to me, this feels so there's a band I listen to called 10 Years. They're a rock band. They're not signed anymore, I think. I think they put their own stuff out. And this, this, this is going to a point with this episode. So whenever they were signed, the, the record companies, which is very much kind of like what music does these days when, when you're on a record company, like, all right, we need this type of song, this type of song, and this type of song. Mm-hmm. And you have to write those and produce it and put it in, in the, your newest CD. And what they did, which I feel is like kind of like a backhand slap to the, uh, the record companies, they had all their albums, when you hear them talk about that, it's essentially them being like, you know, fuck you record company like one of them's <laughs> called feeding the wolves yeah and like you think like oh my god that's a badass title of an album it's like well they're feeding the the record company wolves right so in this if if what my hypothesis with how this episode came to be you know charlie brooker gets approached he has to write this episode specifically for miley but he does a great job in saying okay well i'm not going to showcase her fully in this episode like it's going to be about two other people she's more of a supporting character in this this episode and he goes into even like a deeper state, I think of, and it's one of mine a little further down, but just kind of like music today and how in the future it could get perverted even more. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, technology today with music, you know, it's not like back in the day where you had a tape recorder, you hit play, you rep- play your music, you know, with, you know, just a cheap recorder and that's right. your album that, or that's your, your demo that gets you signed. There's so much technology where it's like, oh, you fucked up that vocal. Don't worry, we'll fix it in post. You know, yeah. is that, like, is that really music? Um, yeah. I, I got oh, that a little gosh. further down. But but that's yeah. why I feel like, you know, he could have easily not put these little tidbits, which in season five, I think he's done a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Like you think of uh, um, Smith, uh, Smith, Smithereens. Mm-hmm. Easy to take that at, at face value of being just an episode about don't text and drive, but there's deeper meanings to it that like you and I both pulled out of it. So yeah. I kind of feel like I've got some of that here too that makes me like the episode a little bit. But again, I've got a little kind of you know, yeah. feelings. For well, it. I'm, I'm ready to hear it. That was my number five. I'd love to hear your number five. So I'm going to get down to this list. I want to hear um, all of those details. So what have you got? So my number five, and 
this is one of the things that kind of made me think that this might have been a hodgepodge of ideas that he had for this episode. There was no real reason for the dad in this. <laughs> he was I mean, useless. He was. Like, at, he's basically driving them around places. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, they have all these like, you know, things they are like, okay, well, he's an exterminator. He really cares about these rats. Like, okay, maybe that plays a part. It does a tiny bit. Like that's what exposed the, the Ashley 2 to come alive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's at her dance recital and he walks out. And I'm like, well, maybe that's a pivotal moment. Like maybe maybe something from this is going to spark this like family unity. And like, no, throwaway moment. And he literally had nothing to do in this show. Like he disappears at a pivotal moment when they're, uh, you know, when they find out about Ashley too. Where the hell he went, nobody knows. I think it might it's have in been his a, dungeon. Um, <laughs> and at the very end, again, he's talking to some dude about their rat trap. So I I was hoping for for that to to the the familiness of this to kind of come out more, but um, it just like I said, it felt like he was a very useless character. You could have had these two just living by themselves. You know, their their dad died with the mom because even okay, the mom. What point did she really have too? She could have been alive or gone. It didn't really. I mean, it pushed well, her in a sense to to need like companionship, and it showed the family division. Yeah, but it just it didn't. It felt like fluff in this. It, you know, it, for as much as it was a focal point, it didn't feel like it had any. You know, ugh, at the end of it, it just felt like it was there. Well, I think that, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying about the dad. I was kind of disappointed that, you know, it's like, look, your your daughter's lost their mother and now you're absent. So I, I, and maybe he was absent before. Maybe he doesn't know how to be present. Maybe the mom was the present one in their lives and she was the driving force and the main parental figure and the dad just kind of was just kind of there. Hey, how you doing today? How's school? Great. Going back to go make my mouse traps and, you know, innovate this you know, new product or whatever. So maybe he doesn't know how to be that. That would be, I think, kind of hard for a parent who's not, you know, in their children's lives every day. And it's up to one parent to kind of be, you know, that main person making sure the kids are taken care of and, you know, they're making a difference in their lives every day and doing things with them. So maybe he doesn't know how to be. I guess that would be pretty difficult if, if you're not one of those types of parents. Um, you know, how do you step up and be mm-hmm. that parent? No one teaches you that. If that's not, you know, maybe you weren't raised that way. Maybe you don't have that skill set. You don't know how to do that and you don't have anyone to help guide you that way that would be difficult I can't imagine that I'm really involved in my kids life I'm that mom that's like in you know what are you doing where are you going what's up how's you know what's going on and we talk and talk and talk and talk talk. so I I don't know what that's like but I can't imagine you know someone who doesn't have that um so he he was completely useless I was I'm like you I was really disappointed that he you know, didn't try to, like, there wasn't something sparked for him to be more involved. I was really pissed. He's like, his daughter's up there. You know, he was watching his kid at first at that talent show. And then he, you know, skirts out later when he sees, you know, this mousetrap sitting in the back and he goes off and talks to a damn janitor who has nothing to do with it. Um, but my question is why you know? even have that scene? Like it's, it's, uh, I got scene? it. The scene with him, like walking out and like, it showed that he wasn't there. Yeah, but why even have him like have him miss the show altogether? You know, it just it didn't really make sense to me to. Like, it's it felt like you know we talked <laughs> about just check off shotgun like that yeah. should have been something that led into something else in the the episode, but it was just. I mean, it sucked. Like it's like why would you miss out? And even in the car, he said something about like, oh, I bet it wasn't that bad. Like letting yeah. her know he didn't see it. Like there were so many of these like 
plot points that they put in is like, okay, what's what's the factor that this is going to resolve? Maybe it's to because the kids, the sisters. I think, you know, you talk that it didn't really bring the family together and the dad, it didn't seem to make him any closer with his kids, but it brought the sisters together. That's true. It kind of broke that wall down with their sisters and both of them. You know, Jack was isolating herself to an extent. You know, Rachel was kind of dealing with it in her own way where she was obsessing over Ashley, um, this pop star and her sister had kind of, you know, withdrawn into herself. We didn't see a whole lot of like what her school life was. We got to see Rachel's, you know, how it was for her being a new kid at school and, you know, kind of being a little bit introverted and not really having any friends. Don't know what her sister's life was like at school. We only saw what it was like at home and with her sister. Um, So it was kind of nice to see that wall broken down with them and that they, you know, were both dealing with their, you know, their mother's death in their own way. They didn't have their father there to really help them kind of work through it. So they're kind of just left on their own and they weren't leaning on each other. They were kind of alone and, you know, apart from each other. They shared a room, but even like that bookshelf wall thing, that divider that they have between the rooms, that was just very visible. That's kind of like this, um, you know, uh, very visual of what their relationship is like, divided. You yeah, know, it's a very yin and yang kind of situation. Yeah, you've got the rocker sister over here. You got the little pop star sister over here, and they don't really communicate, or they're they're you know just doing their own thing. So they're even sharing a room, but they're very divided. And I can kind of see why you'd want that. I mean, if you have to share a room with a sibling, it's kind of nice. Like, hey, this is my space, my personal space. You know, it, it kind of sucks when you're a sibling having to share a room. So I kind of get the idea of that. But I thought it was a very visual representation of that division in their relationship. So I think that kind of comes down a little bit at this, in this episode, they kind of have that understanding, you know, of each other um, a little bit. So I liked that part. I like the sisters coming together. Yeah. And I guess the other little bit I'd say about that is I was kind of hoping that we would see, cause you saw Ashley's aunt, like being super over invested in her life mm-hmm. to the point she was controlling it. Whereas their dad was invested in their life, but not enough to really do anything with it. Yeah. Like he was just kind of there to be a little bit of a guard to an extent. And I guess I was hoping to see like those two spectrums kind of investigated a little bit more to, you know, have them both kind of see that they were, they were both wrong in their own ways. Yeah. Not him. I think he's just still kind of a crappy dad. I mean, he's, (laughs) he's providing a home, he's giving them food and shelter, but Hey, that's all they've, kind of got so i guess you know they've got it better than some folks but it's still kind of you know crappy if you've had a parent die and your other one's just kind of like eh i'm gonna go make some mousetraps (laughs) you know so we're gonna play mousetrap no no i'm making mousetraps you you go do something else get out of my office i know i know so but but it's it's a really good point just no real reason for the dead no, there was really no reason for the dad. Maybe just to show how crappy their lives still were, though. Like, you know, he wasn't trying to improve on the fact, oh, yeah, you lost your mom, but it's okay. We're going to get through this together. He's just kind of like, no, we're just going to keep going on. Um, I like it. Uh, my number four, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the music industry. Um, you know, we kind of get in this episode. I feel like it's really not anything new. I mean, I feel like what it wasn't a shock to me. I don't know if it was to anyone else. I don't know if it's because like you and I are 
pretty well versed in in the mu- in music and through that kind of like how the music industry kind of works a little bit. I mean, clearly I'm not in it, so I don't know everything and I don't know anyone specifically in it. So I don't have like some sort of insider um, knowledge, but everything, you know, the things that you hear and read about, this wasn't really a whole lot of anything new. So I was kind of surprised um, why this was kind of chosen as, you know, kind of a central, maybe not central, um, maybe not the central idea, but you know why it was kind of revolving around this idea in the music industry. Um, but it wasn't to me anything new um, and how the industry can treat its stars. And a lot of what kept coming to my mind in this episode was Britney and uh, Kesha. Um, I don't know how much you know about, I'm telling you, my kid, This, uh, you know, I had a girl and I had a kid who listened to a lot of Britney. That's why I'm always <laughs> talking about Britney and I'm rooting for Britney. Um, she's going to come out of everything and rise up again like she always does. Um, and then the story of Kesha. And, you know, there, I know a lot of people, because Britney's in the news a lot, know about her, some of her history in the in- industry. You know, hey, hashtag free Britney. You know, in the um, restraining order that she has against her former manager, um, because of the harassment that happened years and years ago with all the issues that she had. Um, it kind of sprang up again even more recently with some of her current issues. Um, and then Kesha, she's had this legal battle with her producer, Dr. Luke. And if, you know, I won't go into too much because you can look this up and you may already know, but, you know, Kesha first accused Dr. Luke, who was her former record producer and mentor of sexual harassment and emotional distress. She even filed a lawsuit against him in 2014. Um, And then he countersued for defamation and breach of contract earlier this year. She's dropped her assault lawsuit against him in California, but she's still litigating her contract in New York. Um, And she has not backed down from her claims of his abuse. That is a pretty crazy story. And she is, I actually read that she unfortunately um, is still, this whole suit that's going on, but she's still under contract with him. So she, after all of these things, all these accusations that have come out about him, she is still under contract and has not been able to break that contract with him, which is just absolutely terrible. So um, it kind of reminded me, you know, a little bit of, of this story we've got Ashley. She's been giving drugs to be controlled, um, to produce this image of a, a pop star that's not really her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's not who she is. She's just, she's like this media machine and she's like a money making machine. And this is, you know, what they're telling her. This is the music that sells. This is the image that you have to portray in order to keep selling your records. And that's not who she is. Um, And then she's under contract with her aunt um, until she's at least 25, but she's hoping to break that contract um, and saving those pills because she's like, well, this is evidence. And so if I can say that you are breaking the law, you're in breach of the contract, I can break free and be on my own. And then she can be free to produce the music that she wants to produce and, you know, sing and, you know, have that image that she wants to portray. So I just thought it was kind of interesting. And it was also just kind of like I was saying earlier, kind of like a little mirror of um, Miley Cyrus's life. This was kind of like her life with Disney. But <laughs> oh, yeah. So long oh, yeah. She was well, with, it it kind of was. When, was. She turned, when she turned 18, she did that like semi nude, like, Mm-hmm. photo shoot where it's like oh yeah she's like disney guess what i'm an adult she's, now I'm gonna, yeah i want to show you where you can stick those mouse ears 
Yeah, she very much wanted to go from, you know, she wanted to kind of just shatter that whole Hannah Montana image and say, I am not Hannah Montana. And it was in, I mean, it's the wig and everything. I mean, she had this Hannah Montana wig that she wore when she was on the show. Like I said, I know you didn't watch it, and but I mean, you might've seen previews or just pictures or something, but you know, she had this long blonde wig when she was Hannah Montana. And then when she was just, um, you know, Miley herself off the show, she had her regular hair or whatever. Um, and then in the show, in Black Mirror, in this episode, she's got this pink wig, you know, that she has to wear. And then she's just got her regular hair at home. So it was just very much how she was kind of like she's with Disney. You know, I'm not saying anything bad about Disney. I'm not saying they've, they've done anything wrong. But it's just kind of what it reminded me of was that, um, you know, she's has this image and then she has tried to shatter that image and be like, I'm not Hannah Montana. I am Miley Cyrus and I'm going to do the things that I want to do. I'm going to produce the music that I want to produce. And it's going to be completely opposite of, you know, Hannah Montana. I know it was a really big shock to people, you know, because she she was on Disney and it's considered, you know, pure, um, mm-hmm. you know, and clean and wholesome and, and, you know, everything else. And then she just kind of comes out and shatters all of that. So I'm curious to know what you got out of you know, those, those pieces, what we see, um, in regards to the music, music industry and how, how some of the stars are treated, you know, how they're kind of forced under contract. Like you, you mentioned the band that you listen to, how they're kind of like, you know, you have to have this type of content in your songs. This is what we want you to produce. I remember in the eighties, they used to talk so much in the late eighties about, um, these rock bands, because I'm I'm a fan of the hair metal bands, and they would get so pissed because the rec- the record labels would tell them, and their producers would say, "Dude, you can't release this album without a power ballad. Yeah. You got to. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> you, you remember that? I mean, I, I know I'm older and than you, but <laughs> well, and so this actually ties to my number one. My number one is okay. the state of the music, and I'm more of a rock band guy. And uh, I remember uh, I was. We won this little thing. It was like a local band in St. Louis. Their, their name's Fivefold. They've broke up since then, but they were like really big in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And we went to one of their CD release shows. We got to hang out with them in the back, and we got to talk with the drummer quite a bit. And nice. Just chit-chatting about the whole like, you know, it's like, I mean, like you guys, like your albums sound legit. Like I didn't even realize you were just from St. Louis the first time I saw you guys. I thought you were touring with with the band we went to see. And he's like, yeah, you know, we we've been approached multiple times, but – we're making sure that if we sign, we're going to sign the way we want to because they knew a band that signed. And essentially what happens is you lose the rights to all the stuff you've created. Essentially, they're buying that from you. Exactly. And then you have to pay them back for like, you know, uh, studio time. And they they fund you this money for the tours and stuff that you have to pay back. And so it's really – they really end up putting you in a situation where you're so much behind the eight ball with them that you can never pay that back so you don't make any money. Wow. And so now all your creativeness, if you're like, all right, we're going to go to the studio to create this new CD. And they're like, hey, listen, right now you owe us X number of dollars. Like you're going to make the CD the way – or the album the way we want it because we know that's going to sell. And at that point, you're not creating art. You're creating a product. Yeah, and these companies know, and that's what I really saw with them is they didn't treat her like a human being. They treated her like a product. They treated her like a machine. Exactly. And we even see that that's what they do with her. They hook her up to a machine. They use her brain like it's a, you know, a music creating factory mm-hmm. and pull out what they want, tweak it the way they want. It's not even w- the way she actually wanted it. Exactly. Uh, the intriguing part I thought about it too is, you know, we saw that she was the one writing a lot of the music, which 
I still am kind of on the fence whenever I see, you know, like pop stars or something. It's like, you know, they've got the songwriter credit as well as as well as like four or five other people. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious if that's kind of, you know, yeah, I, I was part of the songwriting process, but I didn't really write the song. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense to kind of what I'm saying is like. Yeah. I, oh, I, I understand. Yeah. It, it's more of a, a facade to be like, oh, yeah, this person totally wrote this song. It wasn't the six, you know, writers we had. <laughs> and then they came in and said, oh, change that the to a the. Like, brilliant. Brilliant. You get a credit. You get a credit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I, uh, whenever I started learning about, like, my favorite band in the world is Papa Roach. And, they're great. Their, their first album was kind of like their. It was a lot of old songs that they did before they were signed, and their second album I really loved too. And I remember hearing people talk about like, yeah, they didn't really like that one because they were kind of pushed to write the way they did and tweak stuff. But honestly, that's why I like seeing bands live too, is because when bands are live, I think you get mm-hmm. the realness of the song. Yeah, you know the 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 studio is going to tweak it to make it album sellable and all that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. live they're going to play the songs they like and the way they like it cuz i at least with bands right now it's still a situation where i think when they're on the road they control that with kind of the pop star stuff i think that's different i think the the corporations still kind of control that like in the Miley Cyrus you know uh in syncs and all that kind of stuff but right um god it's just it, it makes me depressed cuz <laughs> i love i love like creativity you know, yeah. whenever you you read a song, it like you read, you listen to it, and you see the words that are written. You're like, like somebody poured their heart and soul into it. But whenever you you step back, you're like, this was written by a corporate, you know, writing team. You're just like, all right, now you're selling me something. You're not selling me art. You're selling me, you know, a product. I know. And when you, and it's kind of disheartening sometimes when you learn that. Like you're like, oh, that wasn't really something they wanted to put out. Yeah. That's not their voice. That's not their. That's not what they wanted to say or whatever. Or that's not how they wanted it to be. Um, so it's it's a little disheartening to learn things like that because you you kind of just you know you kind of see where this poor girl kind of just you know really was obsessed with this you know pop star and you know it wasn't even who she really was. So it's mm-hmm. like. You know, that's always disheartening. And then when she finds out that that's not really kind of who she is, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you're not this bright, bubbly, um, positive, love and and light. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's I I understand that. So that's that's good. I like that. What's what is your number four? Uh, So my number four, I think it's kind of. A little telling. It was it was kind of one of the deeper things in this, but it was the uh, the suppressing of the artist. Mm-hmm. And then the limiter. So we learned that they put a limiter in place for Ashley too, which is the same limiter that they put on just normal Ashley. And it's this whole idea of creating a character and creating this thing that is what you're going to expose to the world. And the thing that, you know, was kind of like interesting to me was at the very end, uh, oh, what's it's Jack, right? That's the younger girl. The Jack's, girl that, the, Jack's the older sister. Rachel is, Rachel. yeah. So at at the very end when they're at the rock show, I feel like this is what Ashley wants. She wants to be on stage rocking out, singing a little like rock music. Mm-hmm. Even Ashley too. Like now she's got like black streak in her hair. She's, <laughs> she's got an got anarchy symbol. Anarchy sticker. <laughs> yeah. But Rachel's kind of sitting there very uncomfortable. 
And I felt like she was like the two Ashley fans that like went in to watch and they see this, and they get scared and they run away. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, that's not Ashley. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's kind of like what you were saying is like whenever you hear somebody sing a song or they put this thing out, like, yeah, I really didn't like that. But you did. You're just kind of like, oh, like, like, what's that say about me? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's kind of what Rachel was feeling is like, you know, all this stuff I believed in it with this Ashley isn't real, like isn't true. Mm-hmm. You know, this this motto I lived by, this hero I have, is not what I think it is. And I, I, you know, you think about that, like, I, it's always scary to think about meeting, like, your heroes in music and stuff like that. And, mm. um, you, you know, know what the, they say about that. Oh, yeah. And the only one I would say is probably <laughs> not that way is Kevin Smith. The one time I met him, he was, it was only, like, for five minutes, but he was awesome. Nice. Like, he at least made me feel like he cared about me for that five minutes. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. Uh, when I met their lead singer of Papa Roach... Um, it wasn't that way. It was kind of like a, Hey, what you got? Sign the thing. Like, Oh, I was like, man, you know, we've came to like four shows this summer. And he's like, Oh, cool. And he signed it. It's like, all right, who else needs an autograph? I'm like, Oh yeah. And, and what sucked, <laughs> and what sucked too is I, I talked to the guitarist after that. And I was like, I was already like demotivated and I was just like, they don't fucking care. Like they're like, whatever. And he felt like he actually kind of want to talk some, but then I was like, yeah, just sign, you can just sign this and I'll leave. <laughs> um, which kind of sucked, but yeah. Um, but I think it's, you know, whenever you meet those people and you see the true who they are, which, you know, today's age, you think with like Twitter, Instagram, all those stuff, like you think you're probably getting more of that. But even then it's, you know, when they flip that on and are recording it, it's probably the persona they want the world to see. But yeah. But yeah. Mine's just kind of the, the suppressed artist and the limiter that they had in this. Uh, I thought it kind of played on both sides, the real Ashley and the Ashley too. Definitely. Yeah. That would suck. Thinking about someone like keeping you suppressed or oh, limiting yeah. your creativity and stuff. And um, I don't I, know. I think in any kind of entertainment thing, like when you break into it, you're creating art, you're creating a thing you love, like what we're doing. Like, you know, we, yeah, this expressing is as yourself. true as it can be. Yeah. But if you got to a point where it's like, okay, listen, you can't say this, you can't do that, you know, you can't, you know, don't talk about this in your show or don't sing about this, you have to do it this way. And really, I feel like the people that win are like the people like Kevin Smith who are just themselves. Like they're yeah. not living as a this persona. I guess he is to an extent, but I feel like he's doing it on his own term, on his own terms. Exactly. You want to be able to live on your own terms. Exactly. I feel like once you get into this, you kind of become the the middle part of this manufacturer, you know, this corporation, this business, and you know, you you can't break that. So you have to keep following that path. And I know uh, it's. I don't want to be censored. I don't want to be a cookie cutter. You know, I'm not a creative person at all. I just, I I sit behind this mic and I just talk about the things that interest me and the things that, you know, I feel a lot of um, either opinions or emotions about. Um, But if someone sat here and was like, you know, if, if, if I had someone like looking at my notes, like, nope, you can't say this or you can't say that you can't talk Uh, about this. Or if someone was like, besides you that edits us and was like editing half of our shit or made it sound the way they wanted to, I'd be so pissed off. (laughs) We got to test screen this first and then we could put it out. Can you put a little bit more emphasis on this word? I I would hate that. I don't like censorship. I don't like, I don't believe any, any of that. Um, and I don't believe in suppressing a creative mind. I'm not creative, but and um, at all. But I mean, I feel like the people that are that produce art, um, write or sing or whatever your creative outlet is, I don't think that should be. 
I don't know. I guess there's a fine line with that too, because some people smear shit on on canvases, so and That's call true. it art. So I don't know. I guess I believe in your right to do it. I just don't want to see it or smell it. Um, so that leads me into my number three. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about. They didn't do it so. They kind of did and kind of didn't. They went about it in a different way. But it, what this reminded me of, whenever her aunt had the hologram. Of Ashley, because oh, yeah. oh, she's in uh, a she's in a coma, um, and they're expecting her like to like just die. Like they're just like, okay, we're just gonna you know end this or whatever, um, and they're gonna have this hologram of her. Like, well, we don't need her. We've got this one thing that we know that we can control, right? And so it kind of made me think of posthumous um, music releases because those are it's not not anything new. Um, I, I, I was reading a little bit, and I guess this has been going on for quite some time. Um, this goes back years and years and years. And I guess I kind of struggle a little bit with music released after an artist has died, even artists that I love. I mean, you know, Prince died not long ago. I was a huge, huge Prince fan, and they talked about this vault that yeah. he had in his in his home that was just full of all of this music. And you know, and they were like, you know, um, there were all of these legal battles, like who has control over it and, and who, who's actually going to be able to, if they can release it, things like that. And I'm just like, if it's in the vault, did he even want it released? Yeah. You know, and that's what I struggle with. I think if it's something that like, let's say that that artist is currently working on an album and it's almost finished, um, and then they have either a tragic accident or something happens. They're not able to finish it. But it's something that they were working on. It's something they knew they were going to release. And then it's released after their death. I think, and this is my opinion, and if uh, you disagree with me, that's totally fine. I'm totally fine with that. This is my opinion only. Um, I think that's okay. Because I'm like, well, they were intentionally working on that. If they're writing songs you know, for a new album, if they're working on an album, they have stuff that's been recorded. It just wasn't released to the public yet. I think that's okay. That was their intent. But when they have shit locked away or if they've made recordings that they either had, they were just kind of doing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Maybe they had something within themselves, but they were like, well, this is for me or this is for someone else or something. I don't really want to put it out there, but someone finds it, finds out about it, gets control of their estate and then release it. I think that is shitty. And yeah. I hate that. Well, I don't like it. Whoever's doing, I mean, if they're like, we're going to give this out for free, that's one thing. Because, but you know what people want it for? Because they know they can sell it and they know yes, they can make money. Exactly, and that's what pisses me off. Because it's like, you know, I mean, it's it's natural for fans to want more from you know when you lose your favorite singer or band or something like that, and they've they've died, and you know, oh my God, we're never going to get any more albums or great songs from this artist. So when you hear that, oh, we've discovered all of this music that that person had. I get the, I, I understand that, that need to want more from your favorite people. So there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I think it's gross because it's, it's like you said, it's like money driven. It's like yeah. whoever it is that has control of that and says, okay, we're going to release it. Those are the people getting paid. Yeah. And so it's like, what is your intention? Are you really just doing that? Because this is what the artist wanted. This is their wishes. They they're saying, or that you knew, yes, upon my death, I'm okay with all of this being released or are you just doing it because you know you can make money off of it because you know that, you know, they're not here to say otherwise. And it just, it, it, ugh, it just, it gives me an icky, icky feeling and I think it's gross. And I remember reading not long ago or seeing something and, um, 
Amy Winehouse only had two two albums when she died, but she had some music that was recorded, but she had never intended to release it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was her producer. I could be wrong, but it was someone in her life, in her music life. I think it was her producer that destroyed it after she died oh, and wow. said, I'll never release it. She didn't want it released. Some people were pissed. I think that we're wanting to make money off of it because they, it was such a huge thing. She was so huge in the day and she was still pretty popular when she had died. So they knew that there could have been money made off of this. And he's like, that's, that's gross. I'm not, I don't want to be a part of that. She did not want it released. I'm not going to release it. And he destroyed it to make sure that it couldn't mm. ever be released. That nobody could get their hands on. It. He's like, I'm not contractually obligated to release it. She didn't want it released. I'm under every right to do that. And he did. And I, th- I was like, good for you, dude. Yeah. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. And there's been, let's see, I was looking at a couple of artists that they've done. They've Janis Joplin, Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, John Lennon, Johnny Cash, Chris Cornell. Those are all some of artists that had music released. Yeah. And the Nirvana one, so they, that I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the Kurt Cobain Nirvana song, which I love. Mm-hmm. That song's like, that was my like emo 2000 I think it was, song. It was you, their, um, it's, it's the, they released acoustic. Like, it was oh, the, thought, they said it was the acoustic one is what they released after Kurt died. Oh, okay. Well, there was one that released in Unless like there was another one. It's a song called You Know You're Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like super dark, and I think they only did one take on it because it was like a couple weeks after that's when he ended up passing away. And like it was a really good song, and I think the band didn't want it released, but Courtney Love had the, the rights to it. Ah. Uh, uh, and so she's the one that released all of it, but... Like you were saying, like that song is super dark, and you're like, oh my God, he wrote that at a time he was super depressed. Yeah. That song may not even have meant what, what, like the events that happened afterwards. So now right. you listen to that song, you're like, oh my God, it was right there on the wall. And he could have been talking about anything. Yeah. Uh, and so I see, like, you know, you release something with Prince, and there could have been a song he wrote six years ago that he stored away in there. It's like, you know, this is kind of weird, but it's just me messing around in my bathroom because he had recording equipment. In every room in his house. <laughs> he, he did. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, you know, maybe he has his thoughts like, I'm sitting here pooping on my toilet, thinking about purple rain. Exactly. You know, you don't know. He's like, I feel no. like, I feel jazzy today. Yeah. And somebody releases that and it's like, oh, okay, I see. This is what, this is what the Prince legacy becomes. Well, yeah. And he had like his, his recording studio was in his home. You know, he never had to leave his home, you yeah. know, to record. So he could have just been in, in there and, you know, your whatever mood that you're feeling and you go and you're sitting at the piano or on the guitar or just whatever and you're putting that out, it doesn't necessarily mean that you want that released. That's just you're feeling that and you need to get it out. That's the whole part of being creative is is that's your outlet music. You know, for these people, music is their outlet. So they're singing it, they're writing it, they're playing an instrument, you know, along with it. And then they're done with it. And he could have recorded stuff just because maybe that's just what he did. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that that's stuff that people want released or that he wanted released. And people have to remember that music doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just because they put music out there for you to enjoy and to share, you know, their creativeness with them, that doesn't necessarily mean that anything that they have ever done ever belongs to you. It belongs to them. And it's what's so gross when, when you know, people yeah. die and that stuff just, it's like. The only sad thing is like, there's probably, I mean, I'm sure there's just a ridiculous amount of, of music in there, but it's a little sad knowing that there's, there's probably like a dozen three dozen songs that would touch a ton of people. But, you know, again, that's, you know, I don't, 
if that's not what he wanted, there's no reason to do it. Exactly. And I don't know. I, I, I haven't, you know, I know that there's been some legal battles since his death, you know, when they discovered, you know, all of this and they're like, there's, you know, thousands of songs well, in there that haven't been released. And do you remember the past Super Bowl when they had the, uh, the visual thing of him, like the big hologram thing? Yes. He was quoted, it, I think, as saying, is like, I, that, like, don't do that with me. Like, when I die, I'm gone. Exactly. And, like, less than like a year after he dies, that happens. Yes. That is, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's part of this is the posthumous music releases. And then they have these freaking holograms. I'm sorry. There are probably tons of people that like them. And if you do, that's just my feelings on it. I, I don't like it. They, they had, um, was it? I heard they did one of Whitney. They've had one at Tupac. Um, was it at yeah. Coachella or something? Tupac, I think it was one of the first ones. Yeah, and I don't know. And then yeah, the one of Prince. I just I I think it's gross. Yeah, I, I Unless, don't like it. And I understand, I'm sorry. like you know, when Tupac and them passed away, they didn't understand that this was technology. And they may be like, oh yeah, fucking right. Like you know, keep having me up there on stage. That'd be awesome. Maybe, maybe. But you don't yes. know. Exactly. You don't know if that if he would have been okay with that because you're right. When he passed, there that technology didn't yet exist. Yeah. Um, so who knows what his feelings might have been on that? He might have been totally cool with it. Um, but yeah, I, you're right. I I totally forgot about that. That he stated he didn't want anything yeah. like that, and then they did it anyway. And I'm just like, well, when it <laughs> happened too, I think everybody was just like. Uh, like yeah, it's just because I, I think they played Purple Rain or something, and I think everybody's like, "Don't, don't do it, don't, no. don't." Oh, yep, there it is. There's like the hologram prints. I mean, it's uh. one thing to do like a video tribute if you're using, yeah. you know, clips of past performances or of a concert, something like that that's already been out there, you know, and it's been produced. But when you, you generate this hologram and it's just, I just don't like it. And, you know, hey, people might feel differently. I just, I think it's icky and I'll turn the channel. And like I said, I'm, I've been obsessed with print since I was like nine years old before I fully understood how... <laughs> How, how sexy his lyrics were <laughs> at nine. <laughs> um, you know, I was obsessed with him and he was always one of my favorite artists and made a huge impact on me um, as a kid. So I am all about Prince and his music and stuff, but I don't want that stuff out there if that's not what he wanted. Uh, I just, I respect the artist. So we need to do, people aren't respecting the artist, they're selfish. Yeah, and, um, that's... That's when you start mixing money and art, that's kind of what you get. I know. But anyway, I kind of rambled a little bit. That was my number three. What's your number three? Uh, my number three, we've touched on quite a bit. It's just that this felt like a pretty rough episode to me. Um, mm-hmm. All the things I said on your number five, it just, I felt <laughs> like this was one written specifically for Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Um, I felt like of the three, it was a little bit more bland. Um, I mean, I think it touched on some of the the technology stuff, but again, that kind of felt like the you know, the easy cliche kind of stuff, but, um, yeah, not my favorite episode of black mirror. I don't know if it'd be my least favorite of all of them, but it would probably be towards the bottom of them for that. But yeah, my number three, I won't dive on it too much, but just, it was a little rough for me. You know, it was for, you know, I, I struggled with it. There were things that I, cause I'm always trying to find the positive and things that I like because I don't want to be, um, a constant downer, or anything if I if I don't really like something. But I want to be honest and true. And if I don't like something, I want to say it. And, you know, I, I struggled with it too. It definitely seemed a lot more um, 
I hate to see lighthearted because we have had happy episodes of Black Mirror. Like San Junipero was like a sweet love story, you know, a little bit light on the lighter side. We had, um, oh darn it, what uh, was the uh, one? Kill the DJ was. I was, was saying that's a very thank you, Kill the one, DJ. Yeah. That's the one, one that we covered. Oh, I love Kill the DJ. Oh, that yeah. one I felt was, you know, it had a few dark moments. You know, that was like, oh, yeah, this is a Black Mirror episode, but it ended. I felt like it was kind of light and sweet and romantic and ended, I thought, on a positive note. And so mm-hmm. you're kind of like, oh, well, this kind of veers a little bit off from the usual Black Mirror, you know, dark. That's the one whenever Tiffany and I get in a fight, I'll watch that and be like, she's my 99.9%. Oh, that's so sweet. I then, love that episode. Yeah, but she doesn't watch it with me. So I go crying and give her a hug. She's like, get off me. I'm still mad at you. Oh, well, you'll have to make her watch that so she can be all sentimental too. Um, but actually, no, that might not work. I know we chicks, we hang on to shit. We're going <laughs> to gonna hold a grudge for a little bit. So maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, so there are some episodes that are a little bit lighter, but this one did seem very bubblegum. I yeah, think you well, used that earlier. And I don't like the ending where she shows up and just gives her aunt the finger. Um, yeah. the, the, I like that they in all three of these they kind of put like credit scenes in there so you see that she's doing what she wants to do now right. which is kind of rock music which is more of a cover band thing I guess is that she wasn't really making her own rock music but it just I felt like it it, it dived into the, the state of music and kind of like the stuff we talked about I wish it was a little bit more focal on that mm-hmm. or just more focal on the sisters I felt like it was just too of much of a mixed bag between the two like I said I felt like it was an episode written and then she was – well, maybe not written, but it was, a, it was an idea that was out there and they kind of shoehorned in the Miley Cyrus stuff because right. they had her for it. Right. I hope that's not true. Um, but I, I kind of get that. There was a little bit of the dialogue also that I had problems with like when they're in the car and they're rushing to that arena where all of this is taking place. Oh, yeah. And – I want to keep calling her Miley, um, but Ashley is talking to her Ashley too. Like they're kind yeah. of conversing kind of back that. and forth. That was kind of funny. There was some parts that I'm just like, oh, I just don't know if I can. It's just, it was a little bit weird. And then her aunt, when they're coming out of the car and she um, said, what did she say? Fuck it or something. And I didn't quite understand that. Um, and what that meant. So there were some parts that I, you know, kind of struggled with for sure. Um, but I'm trying to just focus on the message a little bit, I guess, and what I got out of it. Um, but that's, that's good. I like all of that. I'm, I'll probably get more stuff. Well, my number two, I want to talk a little bit about lonely teenagers and Rachel, the main character, you know, as many kids, her age and circumstances, um, have, you know, that she's under anyway, have become obsessed with an object um, out of anxiety and the loss of her mom. The Ashley Two doll um, has become her only friend and becomes her way of coping, um, of being the new kid, and in general, just being the, ang- the angst that comes with being a teenager. Being a teenager is hard, right? Um, so, well, I, I remember it being kind of hard. Um, but of course, if I could go back, you know, adulting is way harder. So I don't know, maybe going back and being a teenager wouldn't be that terrible. If I could go back with the knowledge that I have now, I would rock that shit. (laughs) I'm trying to think what, what age would I want to go back to? Probably like starting college, like the summer I turned 18, that would probably be okay. Like 
Yeah, the the last semester of high school, I could probably do that, but yeah. any sooner, it's like, ugh, no, thank you. I mean, I would don't know if I would want to change very many things. I feel like everything I've been through has made me the person that I am, but I feel like there were probably a couple things I could tweak in there. <laughs> Just I uh, I would be like the butterfly effect. So I always thought about that where, you know, you go back, like I know the relationship I have now is the relationship I should be with like forever with of Tiffany. Of course. And so you go back to like 18-year-old Sean and I come all the way to where she lives, you know, because we lived in completely different places. Yeah. Be like, oh my God. You and I need to be in love, and it's this is meant to be. And she's like, <laughs> um, "No, like, who are you, creeper?" <laughs> yes, and and you just could completely like because all like your life is built with those uh, those moments and stuff. Like you learn from them, you become who you are because of them. So, yep, I always think about that too. Like going back and circumventing all the crap I had to go through, but yeah, I'd probably end up just making it worse. I know. I f- I feel I would probably make it worse, and I probably you know I don't. I don't mind who I am today. I like me. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, all of those things that I went through, good or bad, made me who I am. And since I do like myself and I'm proud of myself and who I am, then, you know, I don't want to necessarily change it, but I probably could make a few, a few tweaks because a lot of the things happened in my teen years, um, you know, but I feel like there are probably some things I could go back and maybe yeah. not do. I, I got I, into a lot of trouble. I, <laughs> I could probably, probably get into a little less trouble. <laughs> yeah, see, I would do the, I didn't get in much trouble because I was kind of work, school, sleep kind of thing. So I'd probably yeah. go and get into more trouble. So I, I'd probably be doing this podcast from jail is what I'm saying. If I went That's back. Okay. That's okay. We could figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, anyway, my point was, is she's kind of reaching out. I mean, those scenes where she's at this new school. Um, so she's lost her mom. That's hard. And she's going through that. That's losing a parent, especially at a young age and at such a vulnerable age too. I mean, it's never a good time. Okay. To lose your parent. It doesn't matter if you're a child, a teenager, an adult, it sucks to lose a parent. Um, but you know, it's pretty tough. Um, on on young teenage girls uh, losing a mom, and now she's at a new school. Um, I've been a new kid at a new school at a similar age, and it sucked because um, I am not an outgoing person. I am not the bubble um, bubbly personality outgoing person. I'm not going to just hi. My name's Rima. What's yeah. your name? And I like to do this, and I like to do that. That is not me. I am that kid in the corner. Like, oh my god, I'm in hell. I am in social hell. Yeah. If you um, look at me again, I'm going to stab you. That kind of face. Well, and I probably would stab you because I did. Ha- <laughs> I did <laughs> because I, I got in trouble for having a knife at school back in the day. <laughs> I told you I was in trouble. And this was before, okay, people, I know we live in a totally different environment that there, you know, that the whole climate today with, with kids and weapons and things is totally different. Um, it's not what it was back way back in my day. Um, it was a really little pocket knife. It was like one of those things that you carry out in the country. It was like eight inches long, you know, something you could field dress your deer with and definitely was not not that I didn't have those but this was just a little pocket knife but anyway um, I probably would have stabbed you because I had a huge chip on my shoulder especially at that time it was like middle school um, you know hormones I was pissed at the world I was pissed at my family I didn't want to move in the first place and I was forced to um, move and I hated everyone at this new school because they weren't my friends and I was thrown out of my comfort zone. And so, so you yeah, were the, you were Rima was really the mad, the original Mad Max is what you're saying. Probably a little things. bit. 
Yeah, a little bit. I definitely had an attitude and a chip on my shoulder and I probably didn't really make it easy for anyone to want to be friends with me because I'm wearing ripped up jeans um, and a Guns N' Roses t-shirt. And I, you know, I had dyed my hair black, so I was probably looking pretty damn scary because <laughs> this was a different school. They were, there was a lot of preppy people running around in like um, polo shirts and their hair teased. And I was like, where the hell am I at? This is not my school. But anyway, I can totally understand kind of where she was coming from and how hard that was and, um, and how she latched onto this Ashley two doll, um, as her friend. And I think that would be so easy to do. I mean, this Ashley tool doll, tool, Ashley two doll was pretty sophisticated. I mean, she's kind of like either Siri or Alexa times a hundred, right? She's pretty interactive. You can hold conversations with her. She can speak back and forth and she's pretty scary. I feel like my Alexa can do that half the time. Um, she just starts springing up conversations with me. Um, which is a little bit scary. And um, (laughs) she's like, do you want to talk about boys? Yeah. Sometimes Alexa just brings up these random conversations and I don't even say her name. So it's, it's kind of scary, but I think the story could have went just a little bit better if they had maybe explored the dilemma of Rachel wanting the relationship with the fallen idol, or at least a made up version that she actually sees on the stage or in music videos. Um, I feel like they were going to kind of touch on that just a little bit, but they didn't. Um, And, you know, I think that Miley did do a pretty good job of playing the human Ashley, you know, uh, with this burnt out exhaustion, because I feel like that was probably her real life. She probably really felt that through her Hannah Montana days. And and then to see, in contrast, this foul mouth, fast talking Ashley, too, when when the little, like you said, that limiter is kind of turned off to kind of see that that, that's what we're told anyway, the real Ashley is like – so it would have kind of seen, you know, if they had maybe explored a little bit more of those complicated questions of identity um, here in the story, the snarky digital Ashley, which is a caricature of like her meat bodied counterpart. Um, and is, is she what Ashley could be without the crushing pressure from her aunt? So I just, I feel like they could have probably explored that just a little bit more. And that's probably what have, would have taken us more into the black mirror isness of like what we're used to but um they didn't go there so that was kind of disappointing so i don't know what did you think about that whole relationship with the little ashley too and like kind of being a caricature versus the real version of ashley yeah i think it i mean it's fitting it was a little cliche i think um i think the only black mirrorness we got of it is that they weren't able to just have that bit of the personality and they had to put a limiter on it, which, you know, I kind of mentioned kind of tied to the real Ashley and the Ashley too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of the same boat. I wish that that was investigated that, that relationship of Rachel a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and that's where I was going back to. That's where I kind of feel like this was a story that was kind of there, but it was fit to be like, I could imagine this being, you know, nine, like 89% of the shows around Rachel and Jack mm-hmm. and Ashley too. And then, you know, the little 10, 15% is actually the real Ashley where you find out this stuff through, you know, different, you know, like they show up there to do something else, like to get an autograph and see her in that state. Right. Something like that I could see. But, but yeah, I mean, good points. Okay. Well, that's my number two. What's yours? Uh, my number two is, it ties a little bit to the one you talked about, but it's just the tech. Um, the only one we didn't really mention was it was kind of interesting how they were siphoning these songs out of her while she was unconscious. Oh, and that's scary. That's Which, kind of messed up. I mean, I guarantee there's probably producers and stuff that saw that and were like, can we do that? 
Like, this would make our job so much easier. Hitting pause and just being like, okay, can we get some, like, tech people in here and figure yeah. this shit out? <laughs> because they, they pull this thing down. It's like a super angry song. It's like, oh, it's like, you're not going to like it. It's like, all right, we'll slow it down. Tweak that. Throw it here. Oh, all like, no. like, it's all that, uh, what the hell's the... There's some music software that came out that a lot of like true musicians are like that fucked the music companies or that fucked the, the, the like the musical industry. Yeah. Um, God, what the hell is that called? Well, I know that they don't like auto tune when they have auto tune in their microphones. Of. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, you can't hit that high note. Don't worry, fixed. We'll oh, do you it can't. For you. Yeah, just sing it once. I don't even sing it. Just like talk in the microphone for an hour, and we'll we'll get everything we need from that. Actually, we don't even need you here. We already got it. Well, there has been – oh, I hate to say – I won't I won't call out the artist because um, everyone will know who it is. But it's a, it's a really big pop star today. Um, she was at an awards show many years ago um, playing the piano. And her – apparently her auto-tune was not on uh, on the microphone. And so when she it. sang, it was her, which is not – so great. She's yeah. not the worst because I cannot carry a tune. I would not shame no, yeah, anyone yeah. for not singing or not singing well because this girl cannot sing. Um, and you don't want to hear me sing uh, unless you want to give me many shots of tequila and get me on karaoke. I might. And then you're going to be like, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. Yeah, shouldn't Sorry, have done that, that was we're a mistake. All drunk too, so. Exactly. Um, maybe I sound better when other people are drinking too. I think oh, I yeah. sound really good when I'm drinking. Maybe when other people are drinking, they <laughs> think I sound good, but I don't. Um, so I don't sing well at all so i definitely would not shame anyone else but you know when you're when you're presenting yourself that you're a good singer but we find out that you're not and that you have some help because of technology and you hide behind that i thought that was kind of phony so it was a, a really interesting um award show for this girl when she had to get up mm. on that stage and sing and she realized her her microphone was not properly you know working as expected well that's <laughs> You know, that goes, like you say, like, well, is that big deal? Like, you know, let them do what they need to do. But, you know, there's probably somebody that has some talent out there that's like, what? I can't sing to that, that level. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, that person can't either. So you should push to do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, going she back, paid her way into the industry from my understanding. Uh, gross. <laughs> my, uh, my favorite, so I talked about that 10 years band. And they just do a lot of small shows now. And they hate Justin Bieber. Like they hate Justin Bieber with a passion and I love it. <laughs> so they were at a show and they had a Justin Bieber cutout. It's like it's like the end of the show. Like they've already done it. He comes out, they've got a, a little slower song that he sings with no band. He's singing just off the cuff by himself, which that's tough to do. I mean, yeah, to be able to hold is. the tone and everything, like that's not an easy thing to do. That's why you have a lot of the music around you. Mm-hmm. And so he starts singing it and he he holds the mic to Justin Bieber cutout. He's like Oh yeah, that's right. You can't sing unless you have auto tune. Kind of throws the cutout away and keeps singing. Uh, and then he like rafted on the crowd with a pool floaty, which was awesome. But nice. but yeah, I think you know you cut technology out of a lot of that stuff. It you know it can make for some interesting music. But I like again, I'm I like that art. Like I want to go and what I hear on the albums, what I hear if I go live, and that's that's kind of what I hope for. I love going to a concert to an artist or band that I've never seen before and it it's sounding pretty darn similar because um, then you know I don't know I guess there's differing opinions on that I just feel like if you 
have something genuine to say and that's interesting to say that hasn't been said a thousand times before when you're a singer or, or artist writing songs, um, but you can't sing them. But you could if you had some technology help. I don't know. I just do you belong there? I don't know. I maybe I don't know because I I don't know. I really struggle with that. I'll, I'll just I'll quit talking about that. But I I just. You know, I feel like people probably do have something to say, but maybe they need some help with their voices. Yeah. And I don't know how to really reconcile with that at all. Um, but I do love going to a concert. Every Aerosmith concert that I go to, and freaking Steven Tyler's like 80 years old. <laughs> he's not really that old, but he's pretty damn old. He's, he's um, got to be in his 70s. He is old. And I'm going to tell you what, you know, I saw a concert just a few years ago, one of the last Aerosmith concerts that I took my kid to because she's absolutely obsessed with Aerosmith. Going to one of those concerts, and that man is old. You'd think that his voice starts to crack after a while or something, or that it just doesn't hold up because you get older, right? Mm-hmm. And um, but no, his voice is I mean, when you're at a concert there, it sounds like it's like it's right off the album, but they're playing their instruments, he is singing the songs, it's not a lip syncing thing, they're not a recording of the instruments, those dudes are on it, and it's, they sound amazing. And I love that. I just, you know, because then you know it's real and it's genuine, and that's what I like. I like real and I like genuine, I don't like fake, I don't like a lot of the tech stuff in music. Um, all those dance mixes and things that they put in there. And and like you said, when they were tweaking this song, this really angry, fast song, and they were able to slow it down and change the beat and the tone. It was just like, ah, I hate that so much. <laughs> just mm. Anyway, that was a really good point. Um, you should edit out half of what I said, by the <laughs> way. So, <laughs> Does that go into my number one? Let me change the subject into my number one. Um my number one, I, I just want to talk since this was the last episode of season five, which we only had three episodes. Um, and that was kind of disappointing. I understand it. Um, but I just want to kind of give my general thoughts a little bit on season five as a whole. And um, for me, this season, and I'm not including Bandersnatch because um, I'm still not clear if this was officially included in season five or not. Um, I don't know if that's considered a, just a standalone Black Mirror kind of production but i know because bandersnatch took so much of their time and effort they i remember they said charlie brooker and annabelle jones said that um bandersnatch was the equivalent of like five episodes uh, of writing time so that's why episode or sorry season five was so short because they spent so much time on bandersnatch they did Mm -hmm. not have the time to focus on x amount of episodes um so we had three and it was lighter i feel this we talked about that earlier that this was kind of a lighter season than what we've seen um, from other seasons. And I, I feel like there's still some interesting questions and dilemmas that were presented in this season um, that were pretty typical of black mirror. But I also felt there was a lot more positivity than we typically see. Um, I mean, smithereens wasn't so much, I guess that's our one episode of the three that, you know, is kind of like, ends on a bit of a dark note it's kind of like oh shit that's kind of depressing um Mm -hmm. you know and where do we go from here kind of thing so i guess that's the one episode that i feel like was more typical 
um, than the other two. But I, I do still think there was a little bit of a darkness in the season. You know, like I said, the end of Smithereens, we don't really know who who dies there at the end. And, you know, do the events awaken Billy Bauer? And does he turn around the Smithereens app? Does he kind of turn around to what he really wants it to be? Or does it just keep rolling out to be this machine that he has no control over anymore? Um, the characters in Striking Vipers, in my opinion, I don't think they all had very happy endings. No, I, mean, I agree. I mean, it wasn't, there was, a, you could take the little sparks of, of happiness. The the wife is getting her little thing off to the side. The, um, you know, the characters are getting their once a year thing. So they're all kind of getting something out of it, but they still didn't seem very happy uh, to me. Like they're still kind of going through their lives. And this one, uh, Rachel, Jack and Ashley too, I thought definitely ended more positively than what we typically see. So I don't know. Um, I didn't hate all of them. I didn't hate season five's entirety, but it was definitely a lot different than yeah. what I had expected. Um, and I guess that comes out of the previous four seasons of watching. When you look at seasons one through four as a whole, and then you look at five, and you're like, oh, this was a lot different. So I understand some of the issues that people had with them. I had some of my own issues with some of the um, episodes, not as a whole, but pieces that I struggled with. So... Anyway, that's my number one. Well, my number one we've already talked about, which was State of the Music. So what notes do you have for this episode? <sighs> my notes, I've uh, talked about that one already. I This isn't specific so much to this particular episode, but I'm curious. Something that I was reading, um, people were kind of having an argument on whether or not episodes of Black Mirror were better when they had unknown actors in them or famous people. And I kind of wanted to get your opinion. What episodes do you think are better in Black Mirror when we know the actors or unknown folks? Um, like, I think... Hmm, that's a good question. Because I think, like, Anthony Mackie I, and the, the guy in Smithereens, I think they really did well in their part. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I go back to what I said earlier with this episode. If it wasn't Miley Cyrus in it, I probably would forget about this episode in six to eight months easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since it's Miley Cyrus, I think it gives it a little bit more staying power because of that. Because it's yeah. like, oh, that's the Miley Cyrus episode. But um, when they had uh, uh, the guy who was in, um, oh, what was the the 50s cigarette company, Mad Men? Oh, John Ham. Yeah, John Ham. White Christmas. The ones he, yeah, that one was really, really Wasn't good. Wasn't it great? I, yeah. Yeah, and I know who the actor was there. Um, I think there's been a few other ones where it's like, oh, yeah, I know that actor. But I do like – it depends because it's kind of like the Tom Hanks effect, right? You see a movie with Tom Hanks in it. It's like, whoa, yeah, that's Tom Hanks. And it takes you a little bit to get into the character because you're like, oh, that's Tom Hanks. But if you watch a movie where it's a completely unknown person, you're kind of lost in that. Uh, right. Another great example was like with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. The very original movie they made, they just casted some kind of unknown uh, actress, and you're like, oh, that's April O'Neil. But in the newer ones, they had that one famous chick. Um, I'm blanking on names, too. She's, I don't know, super attractive. But you're like, oh, well, that's that actress playing April O'Neil. That's not April right. O'Neil kind of thing. So I think you got to play that balance. Um, I think they did I, – I, this one I'm a little bit kind of uh, on because yeah. I think Miley Cyrus might be a little bit too big for an, a part like this. Yeah. It'd be it'd be similar if they cast Tom Hanks for one of these. 
Right. You know, you'd be like, oh, well, that's Tom Hanks. It would take you too long to really get into the character because mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the, the episode. It would be, oh, that's the Tom Hanks episode. Right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. She, I, I, I think she had a level of celebrity that was probably a lot higher than a lot of the other. Because I mean, oh, we yeah. have, like you said, we've had lots of, and maybe John Hamm was kind of up there too. He's got a pretty, pretty big level of celebrity just off of Mad Men alone. Um, so he was kind of, kind of up there too. But that, uh, that was a really great um, episode. So yeah, I don't know if that had something to do with it or, or not. But, I mean, we've seen others like Bryce Dallas Howard and Nosedive. I thought she did really good in that. Uh, Domino Gleason was in, um, oh, darn it. I'm totally blanking on the name um, of that episode. But that was really great. He was well-known um, when he was cast in that. And then we had folks who became famous later. Do you remember when we watched Black Museum in season four? And, oh. Yeah. I'm, why is it when I get behind this microphone, like I can tell if I walk in the other room right now, her name will come to mind. But the minute I sit in this microphone, my mind just blanks and it's embarrassing. It's like I don't know anybody, but it's that wonderful actress. She was in Black Panther. She was the sister um, of the king who I'm also blanking out on. But anyway, she it's like this episode of Black Mirror came out and everybody and we were talking about like, oh, she was really great. She we really liked her. And and then all of a sudden, boom, she's in Black Mirror and she's just in like everything now. She's so sweet and beautiful and uh, an amazing actress. So I think you kind of see some up and comers, you know, that, that they're not, maybe not well known now, but all of a sudden they've been you know noticed by the right people and they've kind of you know um been catapulted in the industry so i don't know i kind of i kind of enjoy both i don't really care how famous you are because if you're a great actor or actress you're gonna make me forget who you are when you're in that role you know and for me i'm kind of like you i don't hate miley cyrus so much but i just don't know if i could stop forgetting that she was miley cyrus in this and i feel like if she was able to be like if she had some better skills or something, she could have melded into this role, and you know I could have forgotten. Oh, that's that's just that's this person, that's the character I'm looking at, not Miley Cyrus. So that's where I was wasn't able to make a departure. But that was really the only note I had. I was curious what your thoughts were because I know you've seen all the Black Mirror episodes, all the seasons, and you're you love it as much as I do. And I was curious what your thoughts were on that. And that's all the notes I have. What about you? Uh, the only note I had, we didn't touch on it too much. Um, I felt like there might have been a mild discussion on pirating music in this, mm. because not only because they're really pirating the music from her, like from her brain. Oh uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of a that's I don't dark. Think, yeah, it didn't go too deep into it, but there is that sense of like you're stealing this music, this creation from this person. Hmm. Yeah, but that's kind of really like the only note I had. I like it. Okay, well, good top five. That wraps up Black Mirror. I'm sad to think that we're probably going to have to wait like another year. Uh, Probably a year and a half at least. Yeah, for another season. I don't know how to feel about that. So I don't know. But that wraps it up. But we have a couple news items. We're not going to close it out just yet because we want to get some thoughts from Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones. We have one item here from Entertainment Weekly. This comes from an interview with them. 
They ask, um, I love this one because it felt like you guys struck an entirely new tone for the show with some characters that were unlike any I had seen on the show before. What was your inspiration for this one? So Charlie Brooker says, I'm glad you said that because the tone of this one is quite nuts. It starts one place and accelerates into insanity by the end. Often with Black Mirror, there are two ideas that collide. Years ago, I wrote a sitcom about a punk band from 1977, and all the members died. They're killed in a mass hanging. It's a long story. It was a comedy. <laughs> that sounds they, like a comedy. <laughs> they were hanged by a Tory minister. They miraculously come back in the future and discover their manager has been exploiting their back catalog and selling them out. And we were discussing the rise of holographic versions of artists, Prince, Whitney Houston, Amy Winehouse. It's notable these people often pass away in extreme tragic circumstances. They've been chewed up by the fame industry and now they're being resurrected. It's extremely ghoulish. And we were thinking of AI too. What if you could program something that could write like John Lennon and Alexa, all those virtual assistants and how they provide companionship of a kind that led to a conversation of what if you had a virtual assistant based on a celebrity's personality? And then I started jumping up and down and thought, oh, that connects to the hologram performer idea. And it sort of spun out from there. Um, next question says, at first I thought this was going to be the Black Mirror version of Twilight Zone's Living Doll, but then it went a more interesting and fun direction, almost like one of those after school kids shows. I have expected the evil aunt to somehow be literally unmasked at the end. Charlie Bricker says, it's funny you say that. At one point, I proposed her face should fall off and show all sorts of circuits and cogs. I said she should disappear in a puff of smoke. I was down for that. I think she almost does that because she looks down the lens and acknowledges the viewer. That's as close as we get. They ask, you mentioned before you had a very short list for the lead role. And after seeing the episode, it's obvious why is it, why it requires somebody who can, can convincingly play a pop star in performance scenes but also play um, dramatically deliver offstage. Uh, what did Miley Cyrus specifically bring to the part? Annabelle Jones says, probably more attitude. The whole film is about an artist and how they're trying to find their own identity and break out from the commercial machine. And as we talked about, the tone gets increasingly heightened and sarcastic and satirical. And Miley is all of those things. She has that attitude. She isn't afraid to step aside and do something edgy. But what I love about the film is the vulnerability she brought amongst all of this. And then, of course, her observations about the world and her personal experiences and what it's like to live that life and the demands that social media places on you and her relationships with her fans and how she tries to responsibly manage that. And she drew on all of that. They said, was there anything she pushed back on in terms of portraying a pop star in terms of realism or other reasons? Joan says, I don't think she pushed back on anything. She had some thoughts on the costume and the look. She's been through that role and we just fed off of her. Brooker says some of Miley's observations ended up when the aunt is giving her presentation. During our initial conversation, she described recently supporting another act, an act for an older generation where she did a cameo. And Miley stepped on stage and saw their faces because they weren't all filming her on their phone. And she really enjoyed it and hadn't realized how much she missed that. There were lines about that that ended up in the episode. She also has such a good sense of humor and for somebody with that life, she doesn't take the world too seriously. Next item we have is from IndieWire. So 
you guys might have recognized some of the music. Do you recognize <laughs> some of the music out of here, Sean? Yeah, it sounded pretty familiar. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> so Trent Reznor, um, who had already made his mark on Hollywood thanks to collaborations with David Fincher from Oscar-winning Social Network, um, score to The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl, um, and now the musician has left his stamp on Black Mirror. The musician allowed the uh, latest season of Black Mirror to remix famous Nine Inch Nails songs for the Miley Cyrus starring episode Rachel Jack and Ashley 2. Cyrus's character, a pop star named Ashley O, sings peppier versions of such Reznor classics as Head Like a Hole. Black Mirror creator Charlie Brooker even had permission to change the lyrics as needed. Um, he got it straight away, Brooker said of Reznor during a press conference. It was via email and he was really happy. He wanted to see the script and I got to rewrite his lyrics in a chirpy way. I'm not the best lyricist in the world. And there's one point where she's singing, I'm stoked on ambition and verve instead of you're going to get what you deserve. Brooker added he thought it was all very funny. He found all of the dark comedy very entertaining. There were lots of dark concepts in the film, and we just enjoyed a childish subversion of them. Choosing Nine Inch Nails songs to remix fit into the overall story of Rachel Jack and Ashley too. Cyrus's Ashley O is getting burnt out from having to appear as an uber-positive pop star all the time. Um... Brooker's decision to use Reznor's dark original songs and coat them with more positive melodies and lyrics speaks directly to Ashley O's predicament in the episode. So I like that. It's cool that they got his involvement and that he was yeah. cool with it, right? He's kind of all over the place with that stuff. That's pretty cool. And I like yeah. it wasn't until uh like when the the intro or the outro, I guess, when they're playing uh Head Like a Hole and you're like Oh wait a second! That that was what she was singing before, but the the lyrics were changed. It's like, yeah. oh, that's so cool. I know. I love that he was into it. I love that um, you know he got a kick out of it, and that he was totally fine with changing some of that. And I don't have this as a news item because I shared it on our social media. He got into it so much. He's got T-shirts. Did you oh, see the T-shirts? I, saw those. I didn't know those were his. So he, those are from him. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, or Nine Inch Nails, their group, their whoever. But it is like. From Nine Inch Nails that they put out those T-shirts. Um, yeah, I feel like that's the guy that's that. winning at the artist creation because th- didn't he put an album out where he's like, "Pay what you want for it." He probably did. Honestly, I don't don't know that, I but it wouldn't he surprise was one me. Of them that did that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, go check out those t-shirts. Um, I put them out on our Twitter and our Facebook. So go follow us um, out there if you want one of those t-shirts. There's a link to go buy one of those t-shirts. And um, Sweet. Before we jump into one. our messages from our Strange Engineers, we got another message from our sponsor. So catch up with some of your favorite Stranger Things characters before Season 3 begins by diving into the official Stranger Things books. Learn more about Chiefs Hopper's old life as an NYPD detective in Stranger Things, Darkness on the Edge of Town by Adam Christopher. Discover the never-before-told backstory of Dig Dug Maven Max Mayfield in Stranger Things Runaway Max by Brianna Yavanov. Stranger Things Darkness on the Edge of Town and Runaway Max are on sale wherever books and audiobooks are sold. Read people. Don't just watch Netflix all the time. Read a book. Yeah, be prepped. I bet you read those books. I bet there'll be like Easter eggs throughout the season. Like, oh my god, it ties together. Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be awesome. <clears throat> Yeah, and as we are getting to our messages from our strange indeeders, one of my favorite parts of the podcast, this first one is from Fran Bernstein. She says, hi, Raymond Sean. I think this is my first time leaving feedback on Black Mirror. Well, thanks, Fran. 
Yeah, keep, thanks, Fran. Keep writing in. We love hearing from you. She goes on to say, I watched this one first and I loved it. Yeah, okay. I admit it. I dig Miley. And she was being Miley. It was a fun episode. And while predictable and not as Black Mirror-ish as most others, I felt good at the end, which is rare for the show. So overall, a winner in my book. Our next one comes from Jennifer Camillary. So I was so ready to hate this episode, but really liked it. I liked the two actresses playing the sisters, and I thought Miley Cyrus was great. The episode had some light, comedic moments, which I appreciated. Black Mirror can take itself so seriously. Also, the older daughter looks so much like a Freaky Friday-era Lindsay Lohan that now I have to look it up and see if they're related. Mm. Ooh, Freaky Friday-era Lindsay Lohan. Like, that was like, that was teenage Sean's, like, mm, <laughs> is number one. Was you digging some Lindsay Lohan I today? was. <laughs> and even when she was kind of getting a little, like, crazy, like, little little wild, I was like, Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's still kind of there. She's yeah, that's still- true. Well, she's she's kind of beyond. Like now, it's scary. Yeah, no, she's gone international. I'm 30s. I got to settle down. I can't be partying all night. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Tony Douglas says, I watched it with my daughter and we both thought it was fun. Was it perfect or thought provoking? Not really, but I was entertained. That, I think that's a good way to put it. Like that's how I felt about it. Was it perfect? Thought provoking? Meh, mm. but it was good. It was good. It was entertaining. Why not? Uh, so Doug Fix says, before watching this one, I read one line how bad many thought it was and that it was ranked last of all the BMT episodes. <laughs> I did not think it was that bad at all. A little cliche at times, a one-parent family with a goth daughter and the wallflower one, disassoci- disassociated parents, etc. But I like the behind-the-curtain look of show business and that it is a business and a big business. You're not an artist. You're an entity, a corporation, and it gets out of your hands just like in a smithereen. It seems like it was a page taken out of Miley's book when she was Hannah Montana, and that she broke out of that mold in a big way. Britney Spears as well, with all the conspiracy theories around her. I also thought it had a, a black museum feel to it, with the real cons- consciousness being put digitally into the doll. Consciousness being put into the doll. The end got a little formulaic, with the teen who can't drive posing as an adult exterminator, fooling the henchman. I didn't quite get the ant. Writing on the ground saying, I don't want to die. Annoying. Yeah, I didn't really get that either. That was yeah. kind of odd. However, I laughed at the one word, fuck, I just like Topher Grace did in Smithereen. <laughs> I dug the jam at the end and a look of horror on the little teen faces of former Ashley. Good fun. Another happy ending, though. And this season as a whole, I never had an, oh, wow, that's fucked up moment or, wow, cool technology moment. I don't know, fucking a polar bear kind of did that for me. A little bit. Uh, I did enjoy all three, and after your discussions on Viper, I can say the episode was not as bad as I originally thought. Go, polar bears! <laughs> I can't wait to get back on the mothership for Stranger Things and see all my old friends. Looking forward to the cast as well. I'm packing my bags for Hawkins, Indiana. See you all there. Hell yeah, pick me up on your way, Doug. Hell yeah. We're road tripping to Hawkins. Hell yeah, I'm hitchhiking to Hawkins. Who's going to come pick me up? Uh, we're all taking a road trip, dude, and heading that way. I'm I'm so looking forward. I, I enjoy every show that we do. I enjoy um, all the feedback and people that chime in, but I'm really excited to get everyone back in for Stranger Things coming up. Thanks, Doug. That was really great. I, you know, I just thought about that too with the polar bear. Was that consensual? Uh, I would assume so. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to fuck a polar bear. I think if it's not consensual, it might have like, sex with you maybe. Okay. <laughs> okay, forget I said anything. <laughs> hmm. 
Erica Inferter says, this episode really made me think of Britney Spears and all the conspiracy theories against all of those who run her career. Me too, Erica. Thank you. Even though this episode was not as horrific as others, it really was scary how easily the whole coma kidnapping went down and how they used uh, media, social media to pull off their plan. The whole technology that pulled the music out of her brain and the fact that the Ashley too was really just a carbon copy of her brain was really freaky. I agree. I, I guess that's part of what we're supposed to kind of take out of like the Black Mirror part of of the show, not the fluff, but that's the oh, real, yeah. you know, kind of stuff of how that gets turned against you and then, you know, the stuff taken out of your brain. That's scary. Uh, and how like it's it's like on the cusp of that stuff, too, is what's really scary. Yeah, very scary. Thanks, Erica. Great feedback. Well, our last message comes from Paik Allen. So I actually really enjoyed this episode. I think it's the knowledge that they wrote the Ashley role specifically with Miley in mind. And it had to be very cathartic for her because she's personally went through this, granted not as extreme, but she was ground up through the pop machine and found a way to finally have her own voice. There were a few moments that were overly silly and Disney show-like, namely the scene where they break in the house and Jack is pretending to be a pest control person and the guard is buying it. It may seem dumb, but I think they made it goofy and childish on purpose as a sort of a homage to being it being Miley and how she started started in acting. At least that's how I justify those scenes. But overall, I thought it was very fun and I had a good time watching the episode. Thanks, Pake. I'm glad we got a few positive folks out there and we didn't get a bunch of because I read a lot of just negativity around this one. So, and yeah, I get that I, it's fine, but I was a little extreme in saying I wasn't. Happy. I mean, it was it's okay. It wasn't, wasn't Black Mirror for me, I guess. Like, yes. it was good. It was okay, but I totally get that. It's kind of like you expect more from Black Mirror. Yeah, I I did expect a little bit more as well. So I totally get what you're saying. So okay, we got a couple of voicemails too. First one that we have is from our good friend Steve Brown. <laughs> Hello, strange indeed. This is Steve, and uh, you can probably hear... Yeah, I'm going to turn it down because it's so good, though. Um, I really love this episode of Black Mirror, and uh, it's still playing in the background. Maybe I should just pause it. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll try to keep this short. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I really did love this uh, this episode. It was great. And, uh, wow, um, where to start? Um it's just a, a lot of fun and uh, a lot of really cool stuff. I, I, I actually really like the ones that end with uh, kind of a positive note or at least kind of a good note at least. And, um, also I, uh, um, I do, I, I will say there's one, probably one negative that I will criticism I'll take of the, of the episode. And that was probably driving a vehicle into a stadium with a bunch of people, probably not a good idea this day and age. Um, you know, but uh, uh, other than that, the uh, her getting out of the car and flipping off her aunt and, and uh, the aunt's reaction and just uh, uh, the the Ashley two there at the end with with Rachel and she's got the anarchy tattoo and she's got like a spiked belt on it's just uh, a a great fun episode. I don't know why people uh, were crapping on this this episode. I can't wait to watch it again and I uh, can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Okay, I, I kept it short. Uh, talk to you later. Always the bright light of positivity. Thank you, Steve. That's great. Okay, we also have another voicemail this week from our lovely friend, Anwen from New Zealand. Hi, Rima and Sean. It's Anwen here. I have got some feedback for the final of this very short season of Black Mirror. Um, Excuse my 
voice I've got a very bad cold on top of my concussion which is um, not very fun but anyway I really liked this episode I know lots of people have been saying that it was it's the dumbest episode yet of Black Mirror I think you guys mentioned that last week it was in the media I actually really liked it like you know it's Black Mirror and I guess you expect a whole lot of darkness but I just really liked sorry my cat just jumped on something um I just really liked uh (laughs) the way it was just a complete story I really liked the fact that um you could see this journey taking place for this person and I loved that Miley Cyrus played it and I guess she was um had it was in mind for the writers when they actually were writing it um but it's really cool that you know obviously in real life she wasn't um put into a coma and made into a um, robot doll but that manipulation that um, goes kind of almost automatically for these young pop stars and and so on who have to go with a certain way that they're told do what exactly what they're told even if they've got other ideas of their own and I really like the way that was portrayed I think Miley Cyrus did a great job I've actually got way more respect for her um, now than I did before thought it was really cool it was entertaining and overall as a whole the season I really liked how each one of the episodes was very different and distinct but almost like a whole movie in their own right and exactly the right length for me because I can only deal with about an hour of TV at the moment so a movie is probably too long so overall I really enjoyed it thanks so much for covering again guys Talk to you soon. Bye. Oh, that was lovely. How can you not love everything that she says in that beautiful accent? And when mm-hmm. and we, well, I hope you start feeling better too. Get well. Soon. I know. I hope you recover quickly. I know she's been dealing with her concussion um, for a while and recovering from that. So we hope that you have a speedy recovery from that. And I hope you're feeling better from your cold. And thank you so much for taking some of that precious TV time, watching an episode of Black Mirror, and taking the time to leave us some feedback when dealing with all of that. Thank you, Anwen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, everyone um, who sent us emails and posted on our Facebook. Um, and all of the wonderful things that you guys say um, about us and contributing to the show. I, I, I'm going to love covering Black Mirror. I don't care. Whatever Charlie Burke and Annabelle Jones want to put oh, out, I'm going to watch it. So I'm totally fine with it. This definitely does not turn me off of the show at all. I will continue to watch um, as well. And we want to thank you guys so much for um, chiming in with us and letting us know what, what you thought um, about all the episodes. Um, so with that being said, what's next week, Sean? Oh, so next week we're a little bit, are not behind, but we got a little bit longer to wait for Stranger Things to come out. So what we're going to do next week is we're going to preview Stranger Things Season 3. So we're going to look at the trailers and recap a little bit in preparation for Season 3. Yeah, we're going to talk about some fun stuff um, that was from Season 1 and 2 to kind of get us ready. Bring us up to speed. What happened? What are we? What, what are things that what what would happen, and where do we need to be ready for to have answered, or what's going to happen in season three? We're not going to talk spoilers, but we will be talking about the trailers um, that have been released. So be ready for that. Um, so there could be, if you consider trailers a spoiler, but I'm super excited um, for all of that, and we're really excited for you to look into the Black Mirror with us. And for updates, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange Cast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. 
You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Legion, which <gasps> is starting up soon, on podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and all the other great podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. Well, you know I love strange and weird and trippy. Um, and that show, if you love all the shows that we cover on here on Strange Indeed, I think if you guys are not already watching Legion, um, season three of Legion starts off tomorrow, um, Monday, June 24th on FX. And it is wonderful. Um, one of my absolute favorite shows. And Jason from The Walking Dead cast and I have a Legion cast on Podcastica. So I would love to hear from you guys. And I would love for you to just even try out the show. Um, if you've never watched it, we have a lot of fun with it. Um, I don't always know what the hell's going on all the time, <laughs> but I <laughs> love this Thanks for good conversations. <laughs> Say, I love watching this show. I'm usually scratching my head going, what the hell did I just watch and what does it mean? And I kind of purposely wedged my way into podcasting with Jason so he can explain it to me <laughs> <laughs> so I can then understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> but anyway, um, We have lots of great podcasts that we'd love to let you know about. And speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah, and I would love, I mean, if you guys haven't tried it out, I would love for you to listen to our episode 161 and 162 that comes out next week. Mm -hmm. These were two episodes, a little bit of Passion of Love, where I created an audio drama and it's a ton of work I put in for the three episodes that are tied into those. So uh, it's basically... uh, convenience store clerks in hell and it's kind of a dark comedy i think if you guys like what we do here you'd probably really enjoy that so i would love to see the numbers on that episode bounce up so if you get a chance Mm -hmm. subscribe check out those two episodes i'd really really appreciate it i thoroughly enjoyed the first one so far so i encourage everyone to go check that out um since sean is actually a creative person i'm not sean's a creative one in this in this outfit here so make sure to check that out it's great All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 91, Rachel Jack and Ashley 2. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Fran Bernstein is strange indeed.